Welcome to Is Your Beagle Legal, where each week our guests talk about a variety of different things that might be of interest to you. So please welcome your hosts, John Fondy and attorney Robert Freeman. Hello, everybody. I'm John Fondy, broadcasting from the home of UNLV, the Running Rebels here in Las Vegas, Nevada. You can see behind me that hey, Vegas hasn't changed too much. It's, uh, it's still you know, kind of, a, kind of a struggle going on out there as well. And we know that a lot of people are going through struggles as well. And they're starting to kind of to reinvent themselves, if you will. And that's kind of what the purpose of, of this show is, is your big legal. Uh, we'll talk about those things. We'll bring people in, we'll bring guests in, we'll talk to them and, and uh, really see what we can do about hoping to maybe either improve what you're doing, reinvent yourself, or keep you on the path uh, to move down uh, uh, move down the road a little bit, a little bit faster, if you will. And so, um, right now, it gives me great pleasure to bring to the screen. Um, he's he's our beagle. <laughs> he's Robert Freeman. Robert, nice to have you on the show. John, it's always a pleasure to see you. And uh, and so we are practicing social distancing here. So I'm in uh, Nevada. Uh, you're you're down south in in SoCal, and so is Rod, and Rod is going to be our special guest. We're going to have him back on. But hey, man, let me reach out to you right now and, and ask you what's what's going on in your world, and and how how is this affecting you and 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 your thoughts? You know, John D. As you know, I'm a pro tem judge in Los Angeles County. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, I was a pro tem judge until the courts shut down. That's so traffic right. courts have come to a halt. Uh, restraining order courts, which is what I, where I sit, those have come to a halt. Um, we're trying to handle things online. It's not working very well. The wheels of justice are starting to, you know, crank to a close. Um, so that's been a huge, huge challenge. As you also know, uh, until recently, I owned a $1.5 million um, martial arts academy in Irvine. And yeah. we know what COVID did to the martial arts world and to the gyms and to all the CrossFit gyms out there. And then the kind of uh, the triple trifecta threat is my law firm, all of my clients were restaurants. I specialized in small businesses, but with a focus on restaurants. So I thought, okay, the law and fitness and food, I am recession proof. And of course, COVID came up and that was that for my entire everything. So, in a nutshell, COVID has effectively shut me down. Well, you know, not only that, we, we talked a lot about the fact that not only has it shut you down, but it's also really affected your clients, your customers as well, too. And, and this, is, this not only is a physical pandemic, it's a psychological pandemic that we're going through. We all almost have to hold each other up, you know, to keep from all of us following down and, and just kind of drag us through that and stuff. So in some ways, it's brought us a little closer together, but it still doesn't take the pain away, does it? Well, yes, because I would be in Vegas, not, you know, 380 miles away. That's right. Uh, and this pandemic is also societal. So what our new normal is going to look like once we reopen is going to be vastly different than what we have now and probably vastly different than anything anybody is expecting or anticipating. So with regard to the restaurant industry, the restaurant industry has a very, very small profit margin. Uh, it's a lot of hard work. It's labor intensive. And once the stimulus packages went, some of my clients got it, some of my clients didn't. And it was, of course, related to how politically connected that they were, you know, yeah. politics or politics. And some of my restaurants have said, 
we're not going to take the money because the the the, the bullet at the end of at, at the sentence is yeah. just too big to overcome and they realized Apparently they had really good counsel that if they were to take the stimulus money, it would be a short-term fix. And then when the piper came calling and the butcher's bill had to be paid, they wouldn't be able to do it. And it would convert to a loan and would effectively put them out of business. Other clients have taken the money because they had the payroll to do it, the PPM, which is the payroll. It's a loan that's forgivable, provided that you meet certain qualifications and components. And they're able to do that. And so they did take some of the stimulus money and they're going to survive for the next couple of months. And then I have my really high end clients. They can't do takeout and delivery. You're not going to go, you know, in your neck of the woods to the golden steer and say, you know, Hey, Mr. Signorelli, would you send me a couple of prime ribs to go, please? It, it doesn't travel well. Right. And so when they were shut down. They're like, look, we have a war chest. We're expanding our business into other venues and they're doing delivery steaks that you cook at home with the recipes. They got some really interesting ideas, but they've shut the restaurant down. We have the war chest to survive. We're turning the stimulus money down. And when we reopen, it's going to be very different, our competition. So I see the full gamut of what my restaurant clients are doing with the stimulus money. Well, you need, when you think about uh, our neck of the woods, you're talking about the Golden Steer that's, that does have that war chest on it. Um, from what I understand, the interest rate on that loan was, was pretty exciting. I think it was around 1%. You know, uh, it depends on which location you're in, you know, which state you're in, because each state has some control. And in some places, it's even lower than 1%. And so if it does convert to a loan, you know, it could be like a loan consolidation for those restaurants that were really tight and they were paying all these different vendors and paying high interest rates over here. It's an opportunity to consolidate, but it will convert to a loan. And, you know, the courts, that's, that's the interesting thing about being a lawyer and about being a person judge is that the courts are always looking backwards. We don't set policy. We're prohibited from setting policy. You know, three executive office, judicial branch, and Congress. We look back. What do we do in the past? Well, we've never had anything like this in the memory. Right. Yeah. Congress is the one that's supposed to be looking forward. So as we go through these challenges, nobody knows what Congress is going to do with regards to loan forgiveness, what the interest rates will be. Uh, I see a tremendous amount of fraud being perpetrated by less than savory business owners who are fudging the numbers. So we're going to see a lot of fraud enforcement coming out of the feds and the states. But, you know, if I were, if I were going to provide legal advice, <laughs> uh, I would say that basically read the CARE Act and operate within the spirit of the law. That's the first thing. What is this intended to do? It's intended to help support the system. And so when you've got your employees that are being paid by you and they're collecting unemployment, that's called insurance fraud. And that's what's happening. So you've got to be real careful about that. And then the third thing is document, document, document. You've got to have all your documentation in place for your employees, for raises, uh, anything that you do out of the ordinary, you better have a good reason for it because you're going to have to explain yourself in the near future. Well, I think the, 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 the key to all this is future. And we know that 
we don't know what's going to happen, but we know something is going to change, just like it's already changed as well. So sometimes what I counsel my clients on is let's prepare for that change. Let's prepare for that future. Maybe we don't know exactly the direction that we're going to go in preparing for that future, but we know that we have to do something. So let's let's look at it from a from a standpoint of let's think about things sensibly. And we talk about uh, one of our other podcasts we do, we talk about pivoting. They have the ability to, to spin on a dime and, and be agile and don't, you know, don't pound your feet into the ground so that you can't move because then you're like, a, you're, you're like in quicksand. You can't, you can't change anything. So when we're talking about changing or reinventing uh, yourself, well, there's a lot that has to go with that and having the right people around you, getting, getting legal advice from you, but on the, on, the, on the lighter side of things, I'd like to bring in our good friend right now, uh, who's in Southern California. His name is Rod Baker. Rod, thanks so much for, uh, for joining the show. Now, should we call you Rod Allen Baker, or should we call you Rod Baker? Rod Allen Baker works. That's great. So I, want, I just want to call him Sprout. <laughs> you want to tell the, Rod, you want to tell the story? You want me to? You tell the story. I've been talking for a while. That's only because you're just a couple inches taller than me. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to share the story with uh, Bruno and Katarina's Club? You go ahead. No, I, you uh, tell it than I do. I don't know about that, but Johnny, as you know, uh, Anaheim White House and Sir Bruno, they have their. Uh, their charitable organization that's fed over 3 million children. They have the reach out program where they get hotel families off out of the hotels and motels and into apartments. And then they also have an academy that trains at risk children how to operate front of house, back of house. And it's a really exciting program and Bruno has done an amazing job. Uh, Rod and I were fellow board members at large. And so last fundraiser, he was the chair of the fundraising committee and I was the co-chair. Johnny, you and I go back way, way back. You know, I'm 6'6", 270. <laughs> How tall are you, baby? 5'6", all the way. <laughs> so they, they, called me, they called me the giant or the jolly green giant, and Rod became Sprout. <laughs> well, it was, quite the, it was quite the scene up on stage to have this guy that, you know, we should have dressed in a green suit. And then if I were in a green suit, we definitely would have looked like the Jolly Green Giant and Sprout, a little Sprout. But uh, it worked out well. We did extremely well that night, didn't we, Robert? I agree. And it was a great cause for the children, and it was an amazing event. It was an honor to co-host with you. It sure was. It was awesome. And I was, and I was dressed immaculately. Yes, you were. Which is a great segue, John D. Absolutely, it is absolutely <laughs> perfect on that. So, um, so Rod, give our viewing audience a little bit of of your background, a little bit of your history, and uh, what you, what you've been doing, and, and more so than that, what we talked about earlier is that that uh, surround yourself with the right kind of people. Not only do you have to think right. But you also have to look right as well, particularly if you're going to reinvent yourself. And that's a lot of what you're able to do is bring joy into the, the lives of people, but helping them reinvent themselves and feel confident, feel comfortable. And there's your segue, Rod. <laughs> well, you know, um, I started this when I was a, a very young man at 19. Uh, so, you know, I'm going on 40 years of being in this business. And I think the biggest joy for me 
is when I would meet people that one of their biggest challenges in life was dressing. Uh, they just, they didn't know how, you know, uh, as generations have gone, you know, uh, a lot of the dads, that are, our dads never dressed. You know, that maybe they were machinists or maybe they were people that weren't in the professional world, they were workers. And, you know, dressing was just not a very big part of their lifestyle. Now, years ago, back in the 20s, you know, people went to the machine shop in suits <laughs> and ties. They just never left the house. Well, the progression of, of the United States and the world has gone extremely casual. And, um, you know, Johnny, we were talking about this before. This transition and this, this, uh, this new um, uh, phase that we're going into in life after this pandemic is, uh, is a real challenge to people. You think they were challenged before and how to dress. Now it's now that the boundaries have kind of been shaved off, if you will, because they're working out of their homes. Uh, there comes in challenges with that. People, uh, people ask me every day, you know, what is the best thing for me to wear on a Zoom call? <laughs> on a, you know, on some virtual marketing pieces, a lot of things like that. And so, you know, my counsel has been um, all the way from what do I wear to this event to what do I wear for this type of meeting? Um, and what do I wear for uh, a professional group versus a worker group? And so, um, you know, it's been, it's really been a fun journey for me over these 40 years to basically get a chance to live vicarious through, vicariously through a lot of people, <laughs> you know, whether they are uh, professional athletes like the Shacks and the Kobe's and people like that, that I've had the opportunity to dress over the years, all the way to the Milton Burles and the, you know, the Seinfelds and all, and, and the Kelsey Grammers and all the people like that, that I've had an opportunity to dress. But uh, then also just, um, you know, just your average Joe, that I, I'm able to help them to really, I, as I say, to dress the masterpiece that they were created to be. And um, to go with your, to, to go after your question that you said, um, I think in this transition, um, I think that there's actually three, three, three levels of challenges. Um, number one is I'm finding is the leaders, we leaders of our organization. You know, when this is all said and done, and maybe we don't have to do the virtual communication that we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest questions I get right now from my leaders is that, you know, um, you know, I, I need to lead my people. I need to get them back on track. They've been like on this two, three month vacation. I got to get their minds focused back on track to get results. I'm the leader. You know, we're almost going under. We're bleeding, you know, I, I, I get a lot of different conversations from my leader clients, you know, and you know, as I've, as I've told them, you need to look like the boss. Whether you're in a real dressy environment or a real casual environment, you need to dress a little better than everybody else. You need to dress like a leader of your organization because that's how they're going to see you. Sure. Um, 
you know, if you look at the politicians, the politicians are supposedly our leaders. Well, that's why they dress the way they do. And they're not all casual, if you will. So not to, to control the whole conversation here, but the next one is the worker people, okay? Um, you know, we got to get back on track as well, you know? Um, and as I always say, your clothing speaks long before you do. So however you're dressing, it will tell people whether or not you're still on vacation <laughs> or if you're back, if you're back on it and you're trying to, to resurrect your business, if you will, or your, um, if you're in sales or if you're in consulting, that it just shows that you're serious. And it really goes back to your confidence because clothes can do that. Um, and then the last thing, and we talked about this before, is the applicants that are going back into the workforce. Some of them don't have the same jobs that they had when they left before this pandemic. And I believe that there's gonna be more workers than there are jobs. There's gonna be more applicants than there are jobs. Yeah. And that, you know, in the last 40 years, I found that most companies, as they're looking through this stack of resumes, and applicants, right? I mean, how do you how do you pick? Do you know what I have found? Probably ninety five percent of companies pick. They pick the one, the person, male or female, that fits that would fit in the best with their company. Because you know, all of those applications, they all say all the good things. They yeah. say things about this person. Even you, Robert, they say all the best things about you. It was, it was the first sentence. Thanks, Rod. <laughs> exactly. so, so, so how do you pick? And I found that most companies look at the person, whether they're on a Zoom call or whether they're, you know, on some other virtual type of communication or if they're actually meeting them on person, they make the decision. Is there some judgment involved there? Yeah, probably. Uh, that's human nature, but they look at the person and they decide whether or not that person would fit in well with our organization. Do they look the part? They obviously have the education. They obviously have all of the talents and the experience and all of those kind of things, but would they fit in? Do they look the part if we took them to a meeting in New York? Do they look the part if we were to take them to a ball game when we're trying to entertain our clients? Do they look like they can fit in? And so that's why, you know, I always say, especially on the Zoom calls or wherever, in any of these three categories, it's always better to be a little overdressed than a little underdressed. Because unfortunately, we as humans do judge and we make decisions based on whatever we perceive. If you've ever heard the phrase are your perception is your reality <laughs> or it becomes your reality clothes can do that really quickly so anyway that's my piece there, well that's that's awesome and, and uh it's it's really great the way that you tied all of these three things together because those are that was going to be what my questions were and so you kind of did all the heavy lifting on this speaking of heavy lifting if people want to get in touch with you, Rod, what, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you? 
The best way to reach me is through my email, rod, R-O-D, at R-O-D-A-L-A-N.com, rodallen.com, or they can reach me on my cell, 949-289-4845. Well, uh, not only have you been doing this for a long time, but you're a published author as well, too, and I've read parts of your book, and it's very insightful, very easy to read, very easy to understand, and I could, I could read the passion on the pages as I turn them as well. So if you are sitting at home, uh, we encourage you to, to, you know, think outside the overalls, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good good one. I like that. Where you're basically going to go with us. So stick with us here for a second, Rod. I want to go back to uh, Robert Freeman. Um, Robert, what, what would some of you, your thoughts be well first of all if, if somebody needs advice uh, you're a great guy to talk to you instill confidence how, how do people get in touch with, with you rob uh the best way to get in touch with me is via cell phone um and i was a mediator for the supreme court i did spend some time in las vegas so my cell phone is still a 702 <laughs> number even though i'm a southern california boy born and raised cell phone is 702-506-5183 and, uh, and also, we, the great thing about this, what I tell people is, is pick out your top five, okay? In other words, five people that, that made a difference in your life or five people that can make a difference uh, in your future, if you will. And, and, then, and then try to then go to, to Rod Allen Baker and say, Rod, uh, can, you know, what's your top five? Why did you choose your top five and stuff? And let's, let's think through this a little bit more because, like I said, this is what everybody's talking about right now. We, we, can't, we can't avoid it. Um, but fortunately, here in Vegas, um, kind of a, a dilemma. I'm in the television production business here, and I needed to buy a microphone for these Zoom calls. And I thought to myself, where do I go to buy a microphone? Well. Fortunately, the stores are actually starting to open up again today, and that's a weird feeling. I was in a, I was in a restaurant the day before yesterday, and it was the weirdest feeling, not realizing how long it had been since I'd right. been in a restaurant with people, with friends and stuff like that. So, so we, we all have to think about uh, adjusting as well. So, so, Robert, we're kind of closing this out here a little bit. We've got contact information. Uh, again, we're broadcasting from the studios here at UNLV uh, University at uh, Nevada at Las Vegas. And, uh, and so, so tell us something, Robert, that doesn't, that doesn't relate to your profession, if you will, that just relates to life, that uh, a pearl of wisdom we could take home with us. Well, before I do that, I do want to circle back to what Rod had said. And, you know, our good friend George Chanos, who's the ex, he was the attorney general for Nevada, and he's the chairman of the board for Capriotis. And he said that 47% of jobs right now can be replaced by existing technology. And that's happening. And so when Rod talks about, you know, they're going through all these applications and who do I pick and how do you become competitive? Things are going to get much more competitive in the next, in the immediate future. So what Rod is saying is very apropos. Our world is changing and automation is going to be the wave of the future. So something that's completely unrelated to the practice of law or business or restaurants Holy smokes, John, you don't want anything hard or anything, do you? Oh, not at all. <laughs> all right. You know, well, you know, we're here in the Zoom room, 
Uh, we don't have, I don't have a cigar or scotch or anything. So what topic should we, should we leave on? What do you think? Well, let's, let's leave with some, some hope, some uplifting thoughts of the fact that, that today may not be as rosy as you'd like it to be, but in many cases, it can't get much worse than this. So we're only going to go up from here. <laughs> Maximum opportunity for upward mobility. I'm, you know, now that you said that, and Rod, you'll remember this from our, uh, from our event at the Marconi Museum. Um, my grandmother was a poet. And when England declared war on Germany back in 1938, I think, she was in the Highlands of Scotland, and she wrote a poem called The English Bulldog, and she sent it to Prime Minister Churchill. And somewhere in the Freeman archives is an acknowledgement signed by, by Prime Minister Churchill uh, acknowledging the poem. And I don't remember the poem. I could look at it, but I don't know where it is. But there's one stanza that really stands out. And, you know, you both know that the past couple of years have not been kind to me. I've faced adversity and I've faced uh, battle in every aspect of my life. And when things got really dark, this stanza always came back to me and I'd like to share it with you and of course our listeners. And the stanza is this, the past I shall leave in God's keeping, the present I shall not fear, and the darkness that looms in the future will brighten as we draw near. Ooh, that is so perfect, Rod. What do you think? You know what? Um, ooh, that's some pretty powerful, I mean, there's a spirituality to that as well as, um, you know, forgiveness and uh, love and uh, thinking forward. Uh, there's, that's a beautiful, beautiful poem. Um, I'm going to reference something that a very good friend and client of mine said and mentor of mine that kind of goes along with that a little bit, um, more into looking into the future, Robert. But um, Clifford Hines, which was the great-grandson of H.W. Hines, <laughs> which was the ketchup Hines, um, I got an opportunity to um, spend a lot of time with in his uh, later years before he passed. And um, one of the things that he said to me, which inspired me, and I think is relative to us looking forward, okay, uh, going from what you said in the poem onto the, to the, to, to today, and then looking forward, he said, Rod, take a simple, and by the way, this was a quote from H.W. Hines himself. In fact, for almost a hundred years, it was on the little label around mm. the ketchup bottle. Mm. And it said, take a simple idea and make it great. And that's what Clifford did his whole life. And he said, Rod, that's what you need to do, is you need to take a simple idea, dressing, and make it great. I think that people coming out of this pandemic and this lockdown that we've been in, you know, John D., we, we had a conversation just yesterday, and this simple idea that you have here, let's make it great. Let's do something that it hasn't been done before and make it great because these are the type of things that change the world and change our own lives. So I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me a part of this for me to share. Yeah, prompt two. 
<laughs> if you will. I like that, you know, because you never know what is going to come out. You never know what's going to happen. And I, I just love that. Well, it's like, the, and we've certainly done this before. We've, we've pounded a few scotches and smoked a few cigars, but we just, this is what it's all about. Just sitting here talking like, like the three friends we are that have got unique situations that are basically going on with them. And that's kind of what we wanted to make sure that we, we uh, brought out on this episode of Is Your Beagle Legal? And <laughs> we'll talk more about that as, as the weeks continue on. But uh, on behalf of the campus at UNLV, I'm the Big Fabu. I'm John Fondy. And I, I appreciate you guys sharing one of your most valuable possessions with us and that's your time and we certainly hope that we've given you some pearls of wisdom well and we'll kind of keep posting things up on the site from time to time so we can kind of keep this going so on behalf of all of us uh attorney robert freeman thank you so much for being a good friend and joining us and rod allen baker i mean you know you you've been you've been an inspiration for all of our staff here at uh, at unlv we thank you for the time so we're gonna we're gonna sign out right now and uh, kind of get back to getting back and that's what we're gonna do here in las vegas so once again i'm john fondy the big fabu thank you so much for watching this episode and we'll see you next time